0: Welcome to Matthew Felix, the radio episodes, words and images. I'm Matthew Felix, author of the novel, A Voice Beyond Reason and the travel story collection With Open Arms, short stories of misadventures in Morocco. In February, 2018, what is now my Matthew Felix on air video podcast began as an internet radio program in downtown San Francisco. The radio episodes, words and images podcast feature segments from that radio show in which I converse with writers, photographers, filmmakers, and more. I hope you like the show. And don't forget to check out the current incarnation, Matthew Felix On Air, available here as well as on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for listening and talk soon. Shelby Dale DeWeese spent her early years on her family's farm in the rural southeast, but always loved reading and dreaming about big cities. While studying at the University of Southern California, she co-founded a literary magazine, served as chief copy editor of the campus newspaper, and taught creative writing workshops to students in L.A. and Germany. Shelby also discovered 826 L.A. and Time Travel Mart, where she became involved as a volunteer, intern, and AmeriCorps Vista summer associate. She then voyaged to North to pursue an MFA in writing at the University of San Francisco. Ricardo Cruz Tong was raised in the most popular border city in the world, Tijuana. Seeking new adventures after finishing high school in San Diego, he moved to San Francisco to attend FC or FC, what am I saying? SF State. While studying media arts in the Beca department, he interned with Ben Manila Productions, where he first got a taste of editing podcasts. He later joined Baycat as an intern and became employed as a video editor. When not working, Ricardo spends his time chasing his childhood dreams of either playing soccer in Europe, although he might need to consider where he's living, or playing drums in the corner of a restaurant, which would actually be a lot easier here. So maybe we can make that one work for you. Welcome, Shelby and Ricardo. Thanks
1: Thank for you having so us. Much.
0: Thanks for being here. I'm, gl- I'm excited that you guys are here. I have walked by 826 Valencia, which is you know about 10 minutes from my place. Thousands of times, probably. And I go in occasionally. Actually, I was just in there a week or two ago and I bought a couple a couple things. Um, yeah, doing my part, doing my part. But the store is awesome. We'll talk about the store in a second. But um, let's just get right into it. Shelby, how did you begin working with 826 Valencia?
2: Great. How I began working with 826 was when I was an undergraduate student, one of my classes had um, a service learning opportunities and there were several different ways that you could um, tutor students or work with students um, to get extra credit in the class. Uh-huh. And I was randomly assigned to uh, do my service at 826 LA. Um, so I became a regular tutor there. Um, that semester and then stayed on as a volunteer and intern because I just fell in love with the programs and the mission. Um, and I've sort of kept chasing uh, a way to be involved with 826 uh, in different chapters ever since.
0: And then so you said that was down in LA. So exactly. when you moved up here for school, you mm-hmm. already had the connections up here and just kind of kept at it? Or? Yeah,
2: I started as a, an intern at 826 Valencia and I did that for a year working in different programs and then join the staff through AmeriCorps the following year and then this will be my I'm going into my third school year on staff here awesome. at H2 six Valencia.
0: Congratulations and what's your role? What's your current role?
2: I am a programs coordinator, and the program I coordinate is our field trips program where um, we invite students on field trips to us, which yeah. is a big question sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they come in, a class of students will come uh, during a school day and write a brand new original story. Um, they'll come up with it collaboratively, and then we will publish it that same day. So they'll have a copy of their book to go home with them.
0: Wow, you don't waste a lot of time.
2: No time at all. Excellent. We're on it.
0: Okay, we're going to talk more about the publication mm-hmm. aspect of what you guys do mm-hmm. because. That seems really interesting and important mm-hmm. also. Ricardo, what's your 826
1: story? My 826 story, uh, it, I was finishing high, I was finishing college at SF State. I was doing a lot of different internships. And one of them in Baycat, the one that you mentioned in the beginning, gave them a little shout out because they really helped me out they like got me prepared and they also dropped my name whenever my current volunteer was Wasik so what
0: is Baycat since we're giving them a Bay shout Cat out
1: Baycat is a oh man I don't know what the acronym is that's cool but what just what's the organization they, they yeah. help um, Baby Hunters Baby Hunters Points um, youth to t- it's an interesting non-profit organization that they inv- like is for free and the students come and they learn um like actually professional technical use of big cameras DSLRs, oh, okay cool making music production editing so they start them super young and they make music videos and they connect with actual big store big uh, organizations throughout the city and oakland so they can do the promotional stuff for them so okay. then the they are big organizations like when the Super Bowl was here, they did a lot of uh, f- uh, a lot of promotion. A lot of the videos were from Baycat from the interns or the very youth that they are. They're All right. Very nice. I might yeah. have to
0: reach out to them because that sounds yeah. like another great organization. Really and now cool. I have a connection. Hell mm-hmm. yeah. OK. I'm there. OK. So that was so you were working with them. And how did you get from there to 826?
1: So when while I was there. They, they, I did a lot of video, but that was my stage of me wanting to do video, but I, my heart has always been in audio and music. So, and like new, uh, radio show and podcast. So then I always dropped the name podcast because I feel like that was good the, the way that it was going. Yeah. And when, um, uh, someone at eight to six was recruiting for the new podcasting field trip, when they were developing the tenderloin, they were asking these different organizations if they know someone. And I was one of the names.
0: Okay. All right. So you both kind of were drawn into it all, n- almost unintentionally. You yeah. just, it happened to be the internship you got mm-hmm. assigned, lucky mm-hmm. you, and that mm-hmm. obviously worked out really well. And yeah. your name was handed out and you didn't even necessarily know it sounds like that was happening. And Yeah, no idea. <laughs> all right. Sometimes That's wonderful when it happens that way because yeah. usually that's not necessarily the case. So clearly it was meant to be. Uh, but we've kind of glossed over, so let's let's talk about, um, Shelby, maybe, what uh, eight, what is 826 Valencia? I've kind of been assuming that people know, and the reality is, of course, a lot of people probably don't. So sure. can you give us a quick overview of what, I'd what it is? love to.
2: 826 Valencia is a nonprofit organization. We work with students ages 6 to 18, under-resourced students, um, to provide a huge variety of writing and publishing and tutoring opportunities to students, both in our centers, and also we go into schools and classrooms and work with students students in a variety of different ways. And we do this um, basically totally on the generous support of volunteers because our model is all about one-on-one and small group attention. Um, And so we have thousands of trained volunteers around the city who um, work as tutors and in many other roles directly with students um, to sort of... uh, have that more one-on-one or individualized attention that students might need or um, use to uh, advance their skills and also to work on sharing their voices um, and developing creatively.
0: Right and we're going to talk a lot more about that. I just want to say that according to your website you guys have 1700 volunteers which is fantastic. Um, so that explains how you're able to do a lot of one-on-one and we're gonna talk about that as well. Uh, but yeah, that, that was just so great to see. So Ricardo, who started 826 Valencia and what was sort of their motivation at the time?
1: I believe it was around 2002. It was the, the author, Dave Eggers, the great author Dave Eggers with uh, teacher, uh, educational, uh, Ninive Cal- Caligari. Uh, Caligari. It's, yeah. it's a hard name. I think it's but Italian yeah. <laughs> probably. <right? laughs> they were able to get this location at A26 Valencia and they really, they Dave Eggers talking with Ninive really wanted to um, they wanted to figure out a better way to prepare students from an under, in that time really underserved uh, community. Um, and they, re- they saw that people had a lot of time after work and they developed this after school model where, they, whenever kids wanted to need support with their homework or whatever they needed, they, were, they would be volunteers there. And slowly but surely, they started going and growing and growing, growing, and then going into the schools and then coming to our locations. Right. Very nice other, organic yeah. growth. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And sort of exponential growth, it sounds yeah. like. So, but let's start with that first store. So, or the, or the first space rather, um, you mentioned, we talked about just a second ago that there was a store. So why, why is there a store? How did, can you tell us about the space? Cause there's an interesting story there.
2: There is an interesting <sighs> story there. So the space that they secured at surprise, surprise, 826 Valencia street. Oh my street. God.
0: It all just came together for yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea where that came from.
2: Right. Um, so that space that was secured for the tutoring program that they were developing was zoned for retail, that whole Valencia corridors retail area. And so they had to sell something. Um, The space used to be a gym, I've heard. And so there were like lots of mats that they took down off the walls. And when the founders and the other folks that were involved right there at the beginning sort of saw what the space looked like bare bones, they said, you know, this kind of looks like a pirate ship. Uh Let's lean into that. We have to sell something. Let's sell some pirate supplies. There are no other stores that we know of that are uh, in that market. Um, (laughs) In the pirate supply market? In the pirate supply market. And I'm sure there are people in the Pacific Ocean and in the Bay who um, are needing that. There's a need. Yeah, there was a need there. Um, And so we have continued. Obviously, the pirate supply store is still there. All of our centers have a storefront of some kind. Um, And it works not only as a a retail space. All of the the money that the store raises goes directly into making our programs free. All of our programs are free. Um, We also are able to sell and promote um, our student authors' books in our stores. And then, of course, we also let people know about what it is that we do. And that's how we find a lot of those amazing volunteers and donors who may not have heard of our organization. Mm. But they make It's come like a fishing net. Yeah. yeah.
0: Actually, if we take that if we take that uh, metaphor a little further, it's like a net, and you don't even realize you're getting stuck in it. Can you give us? I don't know. This is putting you on the spot, but do you guys know off the top of your heads any of the hilarious things that are in the store? Because I was in there, but it's been oh, like man. two weeks. I can't. The one thing that stands out for me, and this isn't even the best thing that I've seen in there. Mm-hmm. um But there was there was because because again the whole pirate theme. So mm-hmm. there's a message in the bottle, mm-hmm. and I picked up the bottle but there's a USB, yeah. what's it called? What's it? USB? A flash drive. Flash drive, thank yeah, you, yeah. yeah. So there's a flash drive in a bottle, but you don't realize it because it's in the cork. It's so cute. So there's all, the, yeah, the, you're, you're nodding your head. Can you think of a couple other funny things? Sure, that,
2: well one of my favorite items that a lot of people need is Scurvy Be Gone. There's yes. some pills available if you're it's on totally. the verge of getting scurvy. I
0: had it last week, I started to get it last week and I ran to the store and got the scurvy relief. Yeah, exactly. Thank God.
2: Yeah. So, like you said, it's yeah. really, there was a market that needed to be filled. Yeah,
0: and, still and, and thank you for filling it <laughs> and, and continuing to fill it.
1: They also have a prosthetic whale eyes, which is just marvels. But these <laughs> students are just big and they're like, oh my God, they're like bouncy balls and they just throw it to the ground. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. The students
0: are throwing the whale eyes. <laughs> yes, they do. Hmm. All right, prosthetic, we got yeah. to look at that. Well, we sh- could also give a shout out to your neighbor next door talking of eyes of curious Paxton's. animals. Paxton Gate is right next door. Yeah. And I'm not a shopper. I. Couldn't care less, but that's the one store. Your two stores are the two stores that I actually go in because is it. Packs Gate is hilarious. It's just it fascinating. Fun. It's not even just. Sometimes it's hilarious. Sometimes it's fascinating. Sometimes it's shocking. Anyway, uh, get to the 800 block of Valencia Street, especially if you've never been to San Francisco. Both of those places are really worth checking out. But that's the store we want to talk more. We want to get a little deeper. Uh, one thing I learned though before we move on uh, that I did not know 826 Valencia is not the only 826 Valencia. You Not have anymore. other locations.
1: Yes, around 2015, 2014, 2015, that we were able to expand to the another community that we that. When, while they were doing the research, they realized that really a lot, of, a lot of support for the youth in San Francisco was the Tenderloin, with I think like more than 8,000 um, kids live there. Really? And, uh, yeah, youth, and, they, and, they, and there's a lot of needed support. Interesting. And so that's where we were able to. So we're in the corner of 180 Golden Gate a- a- Avenue, mm-hmm. right? Like two blocks from the BART station. And it's great. Perfect location. And what
0: about outside of the San Francisco area? I think you've got other locations, which, again, I did not know.
2: We do. Um, So, like... Ricardo said, currently we have two writing labs here in San Francisco at at our Mission Center and our Tenderloin Center, and a third center opening in 2019 in the Mission Bay. Oh, okay, Um, great. Yeah. Did Um, not
0: see that on the site. Mm -hmm. But like- Can't even keep up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're growing very fast. Yeah. Um, But there are also uh, many other chapters. Um, We are part of now a uh, sort of a parent organization called 826 National, which was developed after many other cities also sort of saw our model and wanted wanted to adopt it into their own cities. Um, so other people ch-
0: actually came to you guys and said, we want to emulate this, mm-hmm. versus um, you necessarily finding, going out and mm-hmm. saying, Ann Arbor, you probably we could serve you. They came yeah. to you in Other a lot of cases. Other chapters
2: have, broke, have um, sort of popped up, and they've done so in many different ways, depending on the different cities and sure. the different, the f- different histories. Um, but we currently have eight, eight six national chapters, 826 LA, 826 DC, 826 Michigan, 826 New Orleans, 826 NYC, 826 Shy, and... Is that all of them?
1: Oakland is going to be opening. that. That's true. Campfire. More
2: more in the pipeline. I hope I did not leave one of the current 826s. As well. I have cool. New York, H-6, Chicago,
0: Boston. Ann Arbor, Los Angeles, Boston, D.C. Yes. Is what I had from your site. So anyway, th- again, that was just really, I was excited to see that. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought you were all my own. <laughs> all, all the missions. And you know
1: what's funny? It's like Dave Eggers has this TED Talk that just seen people from all over the world like i one time from this one from czechoslovakia came to just start store to really just want to ask how the whole model operates mm-hmm. and they just want to really emulate what they did here in the city
0: i mean i think that's a wonderful thing about when people do good things an organization do good things mm-hmm. that are successful because i had litquake mm-hmm. on i had jane, uh, jane gunaw litquake mm-hmm. on and mm-hmm. the same thing has happened with them right mm-hmm. they've had this tremendous amount of success and they started having uh, you know, cities or organizations in Helsinki and even overseas mm-hmm. places like Helsinki, another place Ireland, I think London, some or near London, um, but for the same reason, very similarly, yeah, right? Yeah. They had that kind of success. People noticed them, and so you end up doing even more good than you had anticipated, just because you've sort of set mm-hmm, mm-hmm. set the, the the model out there, and then people can run with it as well. I think that's great. One of your, so let's go back to the reason for 826 and kind of one of the reasons you got started and or one of the main goals. Um, and the website talks about that the, one of the main goals was to close the academic achievement gap for underserved youth in the Bay Area. Can either of you or both of you kind of speak to that gap, um, to kind of what's, what's lacking is, and then the gap that you're sort of trying to fill?
2: Sure. So um, I am not an expert on education in the Bay Area, but yep. some things that I do know... Um, are that uh, in San Francisco in particular we have something called school choice Um, so students are not all going to schools directly in their neighborhood but there's a very complicated system by which students get assigned to which schools they attend Um, and this uh sort of is related to the achievement gap in a lot of different ways, Um, one of which is that many of our schools are segregated in different ways, whether Mm -hmm. it's by um, race and ethnicity, socioeconomic breakdown, um, things like that, Um, and that even in schools where that's not the case, schools where it seems as though there is a lot of diversity within the school, there is still a huge achievement gap in between students who are accessing resources, students who have um, resources outside of the school, um, and then... Um, students who have less access. So it's a problem in the Bay Area and really all over the United States and all over the world. So our programs are, like we talked about, really centered on providing individualized support to give students not only the technical skills related to writing that they might need, but also sort of the confidence, the pride to sort of shift their affinity toward writing because we do believe it is such a fundamental skill that Almost everyone really needs to use Mm -hmm. Um, and we want students to feel more confident in using it to see themselves as writers and they do that by building relationships with our tutors um, seeing their work in print or in podcast form and a variety of different ways Um, but just having that extra support.
0: Well, and one of the ways that you do this, or one of the approaches that you take to doing all of those different things that you just mentioned is a project-based approach. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that in, in part of your intro. Mm-hmm. So can either of you talk about what that means, project-based approach? I mean, yeah. Yeah,
1: we believe, I mean, writing is a huge essential part of, the, of everyone's career, but it's very hard to, well, at least in my experience, I never came to... Yeah, in terms of school, it was very hard for me to concentrate and to see the point on the th- reasons why I was doing the things that they were just telling me to do. And so I do remember specific projects where I did have a, a an outcome or a thing like that could t- deliver a tangible th- right. thing that I can see I made this. And in, the power on that is very beautiful and it's very hard to replicate and it really sticks on your mind all the way until you're like older, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so... And to say that's, that's how it all started with the field trips is like they want they wanted students to leave with something that they can get a grab a hold of. Not only you have like the actual learning, writing with the volunteer and stuff like that, but at the end you have like an actual like product and it's really. I think beautiful. that's a
0: really really important mm-hmm. observation and practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. And with the one that I do, the podcasting field trip is very hard because it's not really a tangible one. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the way that we record the students and the way that within one day the students come in, they write a story and then they like perform their own story in their own voice. Right. Um, there's like an amplifying effect that is really cool. Yeah, and wow. hold that
0: thought because we're actually going to play some of those podcasts because um, I love that program. I love that you guys are doing that and we're going to talk more about that. But again, I, love, I also really love this idea of because there is a difference versus what you were talking about, doing a bunch of multiple choice exercises and taking tests, memorizing vocabulary, whatever it is that we do today mm-hmm. in school versus, look mom, dad, Mm -hmm. I wrote this book and I'm holding this book. It is tangible. And you saw it from start to finish. And I mean, I wrote a novel and I know how good I felt finishing my novel. I mean, Mm -hmm. and you see it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, that is a really big deal. What about, uh, you also mentioned Shelby, the one-on-one aspect. Mm -hmm. So again, with all these kids, it must be hard, but then you do have a lot of volunteers. But why the emphasis on one-to-one versus small classes or?
2: Sure. So I think, most of us. Maybe you might think back to a, t- a classroom that you were okay, in. Okay, let me go back. And how, I got to go back pretty far. How many students were in that room?
0: Oh, my God. That, so I, in, in college, I had 300 students mm-hmm. in my room, you and, know, in my classes. 300.
2: Mm-hmm. And how funny. many instructors
0: uh, one I think I couldn't really see because mm-hmm. he was so far up there he or she was so far <laughs> up on stage I could barely see them I think there was one but then there yeah. were TAs there yeah. were right. like wow. a team yeah. of TAs because they had to break it up because it right? was so big right. of
2: course so in uh, San Francisco the average class size is 33 students per Classroom per teacher. Um, and then uh, I work mostly with elementary students. So those classes are largely between 22 and 33 students with one teacher. Um, and so what our model is all about is having more adults in the classroom able to offer not only, like we have talked about, those technical skills, that t- tutoring support, that advice support, but also to give students the attention that they need. Because, like Ricardo was saying, it feels like a, a teacher is telling you to do something at the front of the room. And what's the point? It's hard for the teacher when there are 33 or more, 300 students in the room to answer that question in a way that um, each student in the room can respond to and understand. By no fault of the amazing Bay Area teachers or teachers across the country, but just that's a matter of numbers, a matter of numbers and resources. And so, what we are doing is trying to um, put more adults in the room with students to be the encouragers, the cheerleaders, and the writing tutors that can answer those questions for them. How does this relate to what I'm going to need to do in the future? Um, What am I missing here in this draft? What? Is it that, um, why is writing important actually? Mm -hmm. That so many students have, that Ricardo had as a student that, Ricardo didn't th-
0: think writing was important <laughs> why didn't you think writing was I'm kidding I'm sorry and I totally interrupted you That's so, yeah. okay. so Ricardo didn't think writing was important but you were going to say
2: um, but then to have someone there who cares yeah. about you and cares about your success to give you an answer and try to talk to you about that about why writing or whatever particular project you're working on might be something that really is building the skills and building the experience that you are going to need in your individual future right. it's
0: one thing to be told do this you mm-hmm. need to do this you need to learn this whatever it's another to say oh, this adult, this mentor figure that I'm, I can actually look up to uses this skill day to day. And so I'm not just being told to do it. I'm being shown mm-hmm. why it matters and how and it actually matters.
1: Yeah, there we have, like like you said, with so many volunteers throughout the regions through a lot of ages and diversity. And we also have a lot of college students that students really gravitate to them because they seem mm-hmm. like so close to them. Right, and they also right. can really relate to them. And then it's also about like changing the relationship to writing. Like it's not just about school, so it's more about like building a safe environment for the student that they can honestly grow.
0: And that's my next question. So my next question is, because another part of your mission is helping teachers inspire their students to write. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious today, you know, kids in elementary school, high school, um, middle school, how is writing seen and perceived, and is it really a challenge? Do kids say, again, why do I need to do this? And do teachers, is it hard for teachers to convince them that this is not only worthwhile, but it's going
1: to serve them later, and to get them interested? Is that, is that a challenge? I think... I'm going to let Shelby answer a little bit more because I think she works a little bit more with the teachers. But I think it has been a more, I think slowly has been growing. I think like the podcasting has been very strong and also in specific areas, poetry and slam poetry has been like really growing really steadily, very strongly. Mm -hmm. The communities on the internet has also like been an impact there where they can really like express themselves and the students really do see that that's their voice. But I do think that still the system still has some struggles where... What they care about is some specific qualities that the student can replicate. Um, so it's a, it's a very different kind yeah, of Yeah, because I'm
0: just wondering if I'm a kid, it seems like I'm on my phone a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm playing video games a lot and I'm stereotyping because I don't, you know, I don't have kids and mm-hmm. I have my nephews. Are, but I mean, that's kind of what I see. So I'm curious the challenges that teachers would face. Is it hard? You know, are the kids not interested initially and you really do have to figure out how to get them interested?
2: Um, Well, I think there are a lot of challenges that can come up and they can look different at different schools and obviously for different individual students. Everybody's different, sure. Yeah. One thing that comes to mind for me in American education is testing. Um, It is a quantifiable way that we can see, allegedly, supposedly, um, how our students are doing and how our teachers are doing. Um, And it's also... uh, easily scorable system, right? So like we were talking about multiple choice, that's um, doable for a teacher to score multiple choice tests for all the many students they might have. Um, It is a much bigger investment to ask a teacher to score or respond to a lot of student writing. And of course that still happens in schools, and of course teachers do a great job on that. Um, But I do think that, In general, we as a country um, sort of lean into what test scores are showing us and um, we don't leave a lot of space for teachers to work with their students, like we said, on that individual basis to work on things that are more um, creative or individual. Um, and so that's why we do try to support teachers. So not only working with students who are coming to our programs on their own or with their families, but we also work directly with students in a lot of ways. The field trips programs we have described, obviously are bringing in a class of students with their teacher and the teacher is the one who is sort of like, wanting this opportunity for their students who may be um, doing other things in the class to prepare them and sort of after the field trip to build it into their curriculum. Mm -hmm. Um, But additionally, we also have a lot of programs that um, our tutors and staff go directly into schools. Mm -hmm. And in those programs, the tutors are supporting students on the assignments that they um, are already doing, or perhaps the, the teacher is working with us to maybe expand programs or expand assignments because now they have the support of additional adults and additional tutors um, so that we can sit one-on-one or in those small groups with students and really help them from the brainstorming process to the drafting to the revision and editing process. The whole creative process. The Mm -hmm. whole process. Mm -hmm. um, And to have all those adults so that they can sit side-by-side with a student and work through that um, so that the students aren't sort of left on their own and then the teacher has many, many, many hours of um, looking over it and and that sort of thing. Um, so those are a couple of the ways that we try to support teachers,
0: so you talked about just then also, thank you. um you know that you you also go into the mm-hmm. schools. Mm-hmm. and one thing that you've done in schools is you've you've you have these writing rooms or mm-hmm. writers' rooms. Mm-hmm. so what what is a writer's room? So I know you have one at Buena Vista Horace Mann, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. What's a writer's room?
1: Mm. Um, a writer's room is just a loca- location that we Whoever have. Whoever wants to answer. <laughs> yeah. I have gone there like not as much as I would like to. You go. need to go up more, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You, need, you need to go more. <laughs> Enough right you're doing too much podcast stuff. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> but it's just a writing room where it's located within. School. So Buena BBHM, Buena Vista, Horace Mann, also Everett, Hi- Everett and Mission mm. High School both mm. have a writing room. <laughs> <coughs> excuse me no worries no worries <laughs> where it's right in the school so then the both the staff of 826 can really work uh, with the teacher whenever there they need to be and also the students it's not a struggle to mm-hmm. either come to us or go to them so they and it's like a uh, small, a uh, safe environment. Yeah, we so it's a meeting, meeting place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Well, I always say the hardest thing for creativity isn't the inspiration. I've said this before on the mm-hmm. show, but it's finding the time and the space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you're basically creating that space. Mm-hmm. It sounds that like straight up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. We think of our centers in a lot of ways as sort of a third space. Mm-hmm. It's not home and it's not school. And it's another type of place where students have different types of relationships with adults. They have different types of relationships with the schoolwork or the academic or creative work that they're doing. And so what we see the right the writers' rooms as... um as sort of a microcosm of that. They are inside the school, but they're a separate 826 space. All of ours have some sort of nautical theme, and so they're, uh, they feel different than the rest of the, um, the school. And then they also have that extra support of resources of tutors who are there, um, whether it's to work on a particular assignment with students during the school day, whether it's to help with a creative project after school, or whether it's to have drop-in hours with students who may wanna bring in another assignment that our tutors may not be working directly on with the teachers but they bring it, may bring it in and want some extra help with it during drop-in hours mm-hmm.
0: yeah and you make sure that none of the students have scurvy it yes, like, exactly. Right? Yeah. That's another key yeah, element to that whole involvement. Yeah, in the yeah I don't know
2: of any instances of scurvy no in scurvy. the school. Scurvy, where we free. Have writer's mm. room, scurvy so.
0: free writers. Scurvy free writers. Yeah. Okay. Keep it up. <laughs> uh, one other thing, uh, actually there are lots of other things. I don't know why I prefaced it with this. Another thing I should say, I guess that's what I really meant to say. Another thing is, and we touched on this a second ago. I want to touch a little bit more on it, because this is also something you do in the schools. Uh, again, there's the publishing. So you had in 2014, so God, already four years ago. I was going to say a couple years ago. Four years ago, you celebrated 10 years of the straight up news at Everett Middle School. So I assume that's like a newspaper. It is. And then you had the 50th issue of Valencia Bay Fairer, which is another student paper and uh and then you also published again a few years ago but the 20th volume of the 826 quarterly Mm -hmm. so let's just touch quickly on because we're going to get to the podcast Mm -hmm. shortly uh but let's touch again on um why those why publishing that the importance of that publishing element particularly in the schools
2: Mm -hmm. uh well all of those publications that you're talking about are all still going now we're on to quarterly 27 and uh later editions of the Bayfair, of the straight-up news, of Mission Magazine, Um, and like Ricardo said, that is a big part of our model as well, not only having the tutors next to the students, but also ending with a deliverable, ending with a publication that the students can look at and see their writing, to see it being celebrated, um, and to hopefully take a little bit more pride in what they have done and see themselves really as writers, as journalists, because they are. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only do we publish their work, so there's the the print hard copy for them to take home, for them to see in our stores and our libraries that we distribute to schools and in some cases to other bookstores around the Bay Area and around the country. Um, So we're getting students' voices out there um, to many other readers who may not have access to those types of perspectives. We also celebrate them big time in our programs, every publication has some sort of release party where the Mm -hmm. students and tutors and staff come together, families and friends also as well, where um, those folks all come together to hear the students read their pieces and to really celebrate the great work that our students do, the great voices, the great stories, the great poems, the great investigative journalism that our students mm-hmm. have been working on often over the course of a whole semester mm-hmm. um, and celebrate that because it is a huge deal and to yeah. really give, like you said, the time and space to say this is important. Your voice, your story is important um, and we are going to celebrate it and share it with as many people as we can. It's
0: just, yeah. yeah, it's a whole other level of validation. I would just, like. yeah,
1: I would also just add because it's like, like, and to say it's a month, it's a long work. We don't work on them like so fast. The deliverable is not so fast. So the students also see the value on going back and editing the thing that they've mm-hmm. already worked on, which is something that is like, I remember being really hard. Just yeah. like, I, why are yours already finished? I it? already did this. Mm-hmm, but then yeah. like going back and working it with the volunteer and getting some volunteer to see the fresh eyes and see how we can really like bl- bloom is mm, there's nothing better than that. It's and, so invaluable. And then they have it at the end and then...
0: Cool. That's been one of the biggest lessons for me as a writer is realizing because for a long time when I was working on my novel, I would just go off and I would hide out and I would do it all by myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's fine. And I actually loved that. Okay. But then to actually get it out and to and come up with a mm. finished product, you, you realize this is one of the biggest learnings for me. Oh, you can't just write a novel by yourself or an article by yourself or any sort of book without that objective from other people. Mm-hmm. So really, it inev- at some point in the process, it has to be a collaborative process. Mm-hmm. And that some, was a big learning for me. And, and you another. get so much out of it. Yeah, at some point, at multiple points. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the iterative nature. God, yeah, don't even ask me how many drafts went into the novel. But we're not talking about my novel. We're talking about your projects, and I want to talk about um, your podcasts. So tell us about the podcast program. I think it started because of when you opened the Tenderloin sta- uh, Center, then I'll, you had some new facilities that you could leverage to do this, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yes. But th- throughout the panel that they still hadn't finalized if they were going to do a uh, podcasting, it was like in the realm. So they still we're still very much in like writing is the most essential part of this whole of HSX. Um, but they wanted to see a, a more in the future approach. So then we started, wearing are like San Francisco. <coughs> so we, uh, we, we want to see, to prepare these students, kind of like how, uh, how Baycat is preparing the students with getting the hands on with very technical. We wanted also to do that for students to see how it's very approachable, um, you know, podcasting, radio and like the technology, t- trying to like um, just get them to be more familiar with the Comptial technology and, and using it as a tool. And so that we saw that podcasting was a perfect vehicle because it was still very centered around writing, but it's also like in this whole new internet area with a lot of hashtags. So we, when they hired me, we started to pilot, <laughs> hashtag era, um, yeah. we started to do the pilot system with just small little groups. And we were recording in, when we started, they were still under construction, the site and we were doing it in like the telephone room and the offices and very, but it's wherever you could grown. figure it out. Yeah. And then after two years, we've actually had, uh, have grown a very nice relationship with Dolby because they also just moved into the neighborhood. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're right when we were building. And so they were very kind and to donate us three small studios. Oh. And so then we were really able to have a little bit more control in the audio and it's, so the podcasting field trip, we work with the stu- we work with the teacher for them to bring the students like a regular field trip. The first two hours, they're writing a narrative or a a poem, uh, depending on on the students' age, and or what this what the teacher would like to do. And after the two, after they have their lunch, and we have a little treehouse in the in the actual location, so they get to play <laughs> inside there. Uh-huh. And after they come out, we have a actor from the. Cons- uh, Art, yeah, A.C.T. Yeah, yeah. A.C.T. American. A.C.T. American, American you, Conservatory American Theater, Theater which is on Market Street. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Right in front and he comes and he gives them voice acting lessons to so the students prepare them with all these different oh, ways wow. to, that's to cool. funnel that energy of the treehouse and the lunch and like channel <laughs> it into the thing that they're going to perform. Well
0: because that's another art. Exactly. The whole breathing from the diaphragm know how paying to attention emphasize, to your voice where m- to emphasize listen when to, right. to me. Right. Uh, that's great. And
1: we also have volunteers for them to actually like practice with it and like, here's how You should do it Don't worry about Mm -hmm. it We'll do it And then we go into the studio And we record for About like Six to seven minutes And then after that They do some Production. we prepare some activities where they can learn some post-production activities oh like hashtags God. and all that This is that so stuff. comprehensive, seriously. Yes, 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 That's it's growing. it's grown a lot,
0: yeah. Do you have any openings in the program for, do you have to be <laughs> a middle be school fun. kid or yeah, a high school right, kid? Yeah, I think I've got great. something to learn here, or probably <laughs> a lot to learn. Well, you okay. can
2: come in as a volunteer <laughs> oh, and uh, nice. take you a look at all, all those stuff. activities. Did you see,
0: she didn't even flinch, she <laughs> just went right for it. She went right for it. Okay, all right. I will definitely consider that. I was thinking about that as I was doing preparing for today. Um, but let's, let's play a couple here. And I, I chose deliberately short ones, um, just so that we could get a few in. Um, so the first one is my ode to mom and this is by Amari and I'm going to try to play it straight from, uh, iTunes. So as long as we have a good internet connection, if not, I have backup files, but the quality wasn't as good. So Mm -hmm. fingers crossed. Here goes. Ode to my, my ode to mom. Wait, what did I see? Is that right? My ode to mom by, I covered up my notes, Amari. Okay, here we go.
2: Welcome to 826 Valencia, message in a bottle.
3: My ode to mom, by Amari, with 826 Valencia. Oh, mom, you are as nice as a bird singing. Oh, mom, you bake the best monkey bread. Sometimes you put whipped cream on it. I love how you melt the cream and put cinnamon on it. Oh mom, do you remember when we went to IHOP? You had the vegetarian dish and I had the best cheeseburger ever. Mm. Oh mom, I appreciate how you feed me. Are you ready for dinner? Oh mom, thank you for making me joyful when we dance. (laughs) When we dance, The whole earth claps.
0: Okay, when we dance, the whole earth claps. All right, that's poetry. I love that. And I also want some of his mom's monkey bread. Me too. Um, But something else (laughs) I loved about that is uh, I love the music and the sound effects. So are they involved in that? Is that kind of you? Do you guys collaborate on that? It depends. So this
1: specific podcast was when we worked with the Tenderland Community School. And so this was a project that we've. Uh, so Amari worked on it for around like three, four weeks. Oh wow! Yeah, three, four weeks of working. on Me, I actually worked with this specific piece. Okay. He about, he told me the stories about all that. I chose well. Yeah, it was a perfect choice because I hadn't read the whole the whole thing, and then and then at the end of the and then at the end when I was reading over all the. Podcast, I, we selected that one because we thought it was super sweet and just the ending is just co- too cool. It's too cool to pass around. Yeah. Yeah. But depending on the, the, we had a short field trip for that one, so they weren't able to choose sound effects, but okay. we do let them choose the sound effects and then we take them into consideration for them to put it in there. Because like it, it sounds
0: great. And I mean, his mom, was just she's probably still crying. Oh my God, so, joy. No, no, so
1: I, I go pick them up at that Boys and Girls Club. And uh-huh. so I ran into her mom and I was like, oh, wow. oh, hey, did you get to hear your podcast? Yeah. And she was like, what are you talking about? <gasps> he didn't and even the, tell her? He didn't even tell her. So then she calls him in the, while I'm talking to her. it's like, you didn't show me. You're going to make me cry, boy. Right, <laughs> so right, fun, right, right, right. I, so
0: were you there when she heard it? Or she probably listened no, to it No, no, no. Later on, yeah. she, I told yeah. her exactly where to go. I can't believe he didn't tell her. I know, I know. I ran into to him later and i was like did awesome. you show
1: it to her and she hasn't shown it to her little sister which we also work with oh my
0: gosh all right that's awesome uh so now i'm gonna play first time seeing my brother swim by diana welcome to
2: 826 valencia message in a bottle
4: first time seeing my brother swim by diana with 826 valencia I felt the hot sun and the cool water in my legs. I turned my head and I started laughing. (laughs) I saw my brother trying to swim. We were at Legoland and I saw my brother in a small part where there's not much water. And he was paddling. My mom was taking a video and I couldn't stop thinking about my brother trying to swim. I said to my brother, Ten cuidado porque el piso está rasposo. I was telling my brother to be careful because he could get hurt, but he didn't listen to me. He looked like a mermaid trying to swim without a tail. Have you ever seen a video that is so funny and can't get it out of your head? That's how I felt. But now I watch the video and it makes me laugh. (laughs) My brother Brian, six years old, reminds me of an earthquake. Because sometimes he behaves bad and sometimes not always behaves good. At the end of the day, I learned that even though your brother or sister might annoy you, you could still probably have a hole in your heart to have them covered for you.
0: I love that one as well. That's so great for so many reasons. Uh, Are the kids generally... Excited to be recorded? Are they nervous? Again, I'm sure it's also very case by case. But I'm just curious. In general, is there sort of a tendency, or is it really just person by person?
1: Tendencies. They they get nervous. Yeah. Yeah. They get, they get nervous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They get nervous for sure. But we, we but we definitely are able to get them. I've I've handled. I I said we're not going to the dentist. This is going to be fun. I Yeah. With the headphones. Yeah. And and then at the end they they it's like nothing. They're, well, they're great. Well,
0: is it like nothing, or are they really stoked afterwards? Is there a pretty distinct before and after? Or do they have to hear it before they really get excited?
1: Hmm, that's a good, that's a good distinction. They, I think, it's the whole process. Yeah. Not only from going to the studio, but also I, we give them the headphones so they start to hear themselves. Yeah. Then they perform it, and then when they go out, they're like, "Oh, that wasn't so hard." Yeah. I can't believe I just did that. It takes a while to sink in, though. Yeah, it yeah, like. yeah, yeah. And I always ask them, "Do you like your voice?" And most of the time, they're like, yeah.
0: Well, that's the thing that I had forgotten. Yeah. When you said they put on the headphones and they hear their voices, I thought, ah, that could be a part where they get really Mm -hmm, mm self-conscious. Yeah. Would you get self-conscious? Because you sounded surprised. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, and I did, too. Even when Mm -hmm. I started this, I thought, oh, God, I'm going to have to hear myself. And then, yeah. Anyway, I They can't love really it. Some of the voice. students yeah. are
1: like grow even more when they do that. Oh no, I'm sure they grow a lot yeah. more. I
0: mean that's the whole point. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the they, whole point. They right. crazy.
1: They're born to do this kind right. of thing.
0: Okay, so let's we have time for one more quickly. And this one I also loved. And I also tried to do a little bit of variety and um so this one is about uh Levi thinks his house might be haunted. We're not sure, he's not sure, but he thinks his house might be haunted. So let's see what we think.
2: Welcome to 826 Valencia, Message in a Bottle.
5: Why I Think My House Is Haunted by Levi with 826 Valencia. I'm starting to think my house is haunted. I was standing in the living room playing with my Nerf guns, waiting for my mom to get home from work. My dog Ace was sitting on the other side of the living room by the end of the hall. It all seemed like a normal day. All of a sudden, I stopped playing and enjoyed the silence. No sound but Ace and I breathing and the air conditioner. Suddenly, the air conditioner stopped. Out of the corner of my eye, a paper fell off the counter. I heard it fall, a fairly quiet swish through the air. But I never heard it hit the ground. What? Ace immediately got up and laid down beside me. He was probably scared. He looked scared. I got my baseball bat, as if there was someone there, lurking in the shadows. (laughs) After I built up some courage, I said to Ace nervously, Come on, let's check it out. Ace did not move, which made me more scared. I looked everywhere, in the kitchen, in the hall. I never found the piece of paper. It just disappeared. Before this, if you told me your house was haunted, I wouldn't believe you. But now I might consider it.
0: All right. Do we have? I love that. Like I said, do we have an update? Do we know if Levi has had any other ghost encounters?
1: I, I wish i could know i could have a little bit more info for you but definitely i'm not know. sure we don't yeah. know yeah. i hope he's okay haunted. yeah
0: i do take a lot of solace and reassurance though in the fact that he's got ace at his side yeah. mm-hmm. so at least we know that he's not alone mm-hmm. yeah and oh, i yeah. loved by the way speaking of the sound effects the dog effects and then i also loved the the wood floor creaking as he's walking so very nice very nice touches uh And a great project. So thanks for sharing that. And uh, we are running low on time, so we got to talk pretty quickly because there are a few other things I really want to get in here. Um, I think, though, what we're going to do is let's just mention, because you have a couple of big things... Well, this might already be happening or it's happening really shortly. Your International Congress of Youth Voices. Yes. So you lit up when I said that. So can you give us a quick 411 on that
2: so people know what that's about? I would love to. So we talked earlier about all the different 826 chapters. There are also many other 826 inspired organizations across the country and across the world um, that have similar models and that work with young people and young writers on their work. This is summer this august we are inviting almost a hundred of the world's most inspiring young people many of whom are um, students or alums of these programs around the world uh, to san francisco for a weekend of learning together um, from one another and also from some incredible guest speakers Um, and i particularly want to mention an amazing uh, event that all of you are able to come to. It's a public uh-huh. event at the Norse Theater on Saturday, August fourth at 7:30 p.m. Um, and it's called the International Congress of Youth Voices, and it will be a night of reading and speaking from Dave Eggers, Janaka Haj, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Jose Antonio Vargas and uh, many student speakers from across the world and many more. Um, and so I encourage you all to go to international Congress of youth voices online.com. Um, I should say um, to get tickets, tickets are just $10 to come here. All these amazing sort wow, of famous adult great. speakers and yeah. famous young speakers.
0: And again, that's August 4th. Do we know what day of the week that is?
2: Saturday, August
0: Saturday, 4th, August 4th, seven thirty PM. A, Uh, stones throw away from where we are right now here at the Norse theater, downtown San Francisco civic center, Mm -hmm. San Francisco, Hayes Valley, I Mm -hmm. guess, civic center, whatever. Um, in San Francisco, the Norse theater, you can find it online. Like she said, okay. Uh, volunteering. I also just want to say, we already talked about volunteering. We could talk more about Mm -hmm. that, but I would like to just, um, can you give us a 60 second overview of what the volunteers might do? And if I wanted to be a volunteer, as you've already suggested might be the case, how would I make that happen?
1: Can go online. We have a lot of. Uh, there's a specific part where it says get involved as a volunteer. Click on that, we have all the specific information. But the rundown is that we, you will, don't worry if you've never interacted with kids, don't worry about it. I never thought that I would <laughs> as well. But we have a very strong team that we, there's a orientation, we give you strategies and tools, uh, very manageable to. For for you, for anyone to really approach a student whenever they want um, to take the plunge, and the best way to get involved is just check your schedule when you have a free time, and we have um, programs in the morning, in the afternoon, and at night, every, almost, during the weekends uh, and the week weekends. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And just from your site, it said you've got tutoring opportunities, design, photography, editing needs, uh, corporate groups that can come and volunteer Mm. and internships, which is how at least you got started. Exactly. Um, Shelby and Ricardo, thank you very much for being here today. Thank you. This was great. I learned so much. I love your organization. 826valencia.org. Also 826national.org. Thanks to you for listening today. If you liked what you heard, please help me spread the word on my show page. You'll see many ways to share on social media. If you see a post on Facebook for an upcoming show that sounds good, please share that. It all really helps and I really appreciate it. For more about me, my website is matthewfelix.com and links to my social media books, audiobooks, other podcasts, and all the rest can be found there. Last but not least, if you have any comments, show ideas, or just want to say hello, you can email me at felixonair at matthewfelix.com. Thanks again for tuning in and until next time, have a great week.